So we're going to get into this week's topic. I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 7, which should be on the screen behind me, but if you want to take a minute to pull out your own Bibles or on your phone, again, that's Romans 15, verses 1 to 7. Just checking we had it. Good to go. <laughs> okay. We who are strong ought to bear with the failing of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbor for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives us endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Okay. Now, we started this new series last week about restoration and failure within the church. Uh, and this week, we're going to be talking about failure and community within this community here. And we're talking about dealing with differences within the church, so within this group of people, and the role that the strong Christian is to play. And we want, we want to have a community of Jesus followers that builds each other up, one that strengthens one another, not one that condemns or looks down upon and Paul states in, the, in this passage that the strong Christian, he, they have obligations to bear with the failings of the weak and to not just do what pleases them. And that's how, we, that's how we're going to avoid conflict within our community. Because it's a big part that plays within conflict is disagreements. Um, and sorry, it's, it's a big part that plays in our disagreements is conflict and differences. So all these differences, how we see things, that plays a big part in how we interact and how those kind of conflicts come about. And it's not to say that we should all be the same or that we can even get rid of our differences because we really can't, because we're all raised differently. We all have different opinions, we have different perspectives, we have different values. And most of us are convinced that our way of doing things or looking at how things are, is the right way. And so oftentimes, we come across people who don't agree with us, who see things in a different way, and we feel that we need to change them to our side. Uh, we need to bring them into our way of thinking, and the result of that often is conflict. So, if you are the type of person who's really prone to judgment and exclusiveness, uh, the kind of person who's really sure that your way is right um, and that you have to have your way and there's not a lot of flexibility in this, this probably is going to be a really hard idea. And we're going to talk about actions that we as a church and individuals are going to need to take. And we're also going to talk about the resources that Paul lays out in this scripture that will help us take those actions. So we just read from chapter 15 of Romans, but I want to go back just one chapter first, because when we, when we look at 
scripture, when we look at it in context, a lot of people would agree that the break between chapter 14 and chapter 15 is not exactly the best place for it. Because I think when we, when we look at different chapters, we think a break in the narrative or we moving on to a different topic. Uh, but actually, the break would fit a little bit better after verse, say, 13 in chapter 15. Because the narrative of chapter 14, it talks about the issue of weak and strong Christians, uh, and mainly around those who are free to eat and drink without moral issues, uh, a lot of those Jewish versus Gentile issues. And so because of this, we can't really separate Romans 15 from the previous chapter, uh, because where chapter 14 is all about how uh, Christians are coming together, working and serving and treating each other right, despite all the differences between them, despite all those differences that you see within that group of people, uh, differences that are cultural, ethnic, um, and they're not really differences that have to do with, with sin, per se, of any kind. But So we just can't have that break, because chapter 15, it follows up on the exact same topic, the same subject. Because in both of these chapters, especially the beginning of chapter 15, the issue that Paul is addressing, it's not really about moral or religious strength, uh, but about faith strength. So we have these weaker Christians, and again, I'm going to touch on weaker Christians and stronger Christians and, and kind of the difference between those as well. But we have these weaker Christians whose faith was not strong enough to, to, not, to let go of the Jewish religious restrictions and rituals. Uh, so it kind of seems like instead of leaning on God's help, they were leaning on these rituals, on, on these spiritual practices, not quite trusting in God. And because we also have this really strong Jewish element as well as a strong Gentile element within the early church, it often brought a lot of conflict into the picture because of a lot of these differences. Because even before, even before these two groups came to know Christ, they didn't really like each other and they didn't get along. And even after they joined together within this new group, this new, group, this new Christian group, they still had different ways of looking at things, different ways of doing things. Uh, specifically in the case of the chapter 14, that those dietary matters that they were talking about. And this caused a lot of conflict. Now, in our context today, we, we don't have those differences between Jewish and Gentile rituals. But we do have a lot of different groups within our community. We have groups with different opinions. Uh, and sometimes that can threaten to bring disunity and disharmony to the whole group. We have old versus young. We have traditional and modern. I mean, music's always a big hot topic. We've got older music, hymns, and new contemporary music. Uh, we've got people who are quite narrow in what they feel is proper conduct for Christians and others who have a more broader view. We have people who lean very heavily on the ritual traditions of how we even things like a Sunday service, how that is run. We have people who lean very heavily on that and people who are a little bit more flexible and don't really need those things. So we have a lot of those. And I would say that a lot of these things that we don't see eye to eye on that cause conflict in the church are secondary issues or things that we shouldn't really hold as important things, things that we can and should let go of. Now, we are a church who has gone through a split in the past. And we had a split that had a lot of conflict. And sadly, we, 
we're not unique in that. There has been a lot of churches. It has happened to other churches, unfortunately. Uh, and I won't really go into the details of, of what happened because, honestly, I don't have a full picture of what happened during that time. I was a teenager here at the time. Um, and I won't say who was right or who was wrong or whether the details were primary issues or secondary issues. But the reality is, is that we had a lot of differences and it caused huge conflict. And that conflict had massive consequences. It had a lasting effect on people who were here when it happened. It had a lasting effect on people who left the church. Um, you would be shocked of how many times this issue still gets brought up. This, this is something that people are still thinking about. And I would bet that a lot of the issues that came up during that time most likely were secondary in nature, issues and differences that maybe could have been put aside or bared with. So going back, we're going to go back to Paul's letter in, the Roman, in Romans. Uh, and he's speaking specifically on an issue that doesn't, again, doesn't really relate to us, that food issue. Uh, we don't have that Jewish, Gentile, religious rituals that cause conflict, but we have all these other things. Uh, and we have it in more, we, so we can look at it in more of a general sense. And, and if we are looking at it in that general sense, then it absolutely relates to us. Uh, and it talks about all of these issues that we are still facing today. So when we look at weaker Christians in any context, including our own, uh, the weaker Christian is all about tradition, duty, religious practice, and I want to be clear, I don't want to say that those things are wrong, but it's more so the focus of that, uh, the importance of those things. Uh, so when you put all those things as the most important thing, you put those in that, those core values, uh, it determines you, that your relationship with God is all about those things. How you interact with God and others is, is through tradition and sets of rules and specific guidelines of how to do things. And typically, that, that can look like just going to church once a week and doing specific rituals that follow a set of rules. Uh, you get a lot of like the intellectual mind connection with God in that relationship, but you don't really get that, that feeling or complete relationship with God. Now, on the other hand, you have the strong Christian, which focuses more on the freedom they have through forgiveness and being adopted as a child of God. So for the stronger Christian, their relationship with God, it's a journey. It's a journey of worship, of service, and discipleship. And you may be thinking, which group do I fit into? Or maybe you know. Uh, and before we all start uh, patting ourselves on the back for being the strong Christian, or maybe we're beating ourselves up for thinking that we're the weaker Christian, uh, the real answer is that we're both. Uh, it is uh, a broad spectrum, and I would love I would love to say that there are definitive lines and neat little boxes, but that's just not the reality of the Christian journey or life in general. When we think about discipleship and spiritual maturity, we are all, well, hopefully, moving towards a stronger faith. There is a spectrum of maturity, and at any point, you could be the stronger one to another, or you could be the weaker one to another. So it's, it's kind of this flow back and forth and hopefully, you know, moving towards that stronger side. So what do we do? There's a few different actions that we can take away from this passage. And I know that I literally just said that things don't fit into neat little boxes, but I've got three actions and a corresponding three points of resources that help with those actions that come right from the 
letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. And that is that we, the actions are we need to bear one another, we need to please one another, we need to, and we need to receive one another. And we do those things by following Jesus' example, by reading scripture and learning from scripture, and through prayer. So those are kind of our three, three things. So point one, bearing with one another. We who are strong ought to bear with the failing of the weak. That's right at the opening of this passage. Now, we already talked about the context of this passage. And again, when Paul is talking about those who are strong, he's referencing back to the previous chapters and the example of them being able to eat, the, eat meats that had been dedicated to idols without actually worshiping said idol. Because their stronger faith allowed them greater liberty in what they did. However, there were others within that context, Christians whose faith in that area was not as strong. And so for them to eat the meat would have caused them to fall into sin. So the action here is to, t- is to bear one another, meaning that A, we don't flaunt our liberty and we don't do things that would encourage others to sin. Because we want to be more concerned about each other's spiritual well-being than our own comforts in doing what we want to do and our own freedoms. So weak Christians can often cause weight, and it's the duty of the stronger Christian to carry said weight. As we mature, become stronger in our faith, our responsibilities also increase. And you may be thinking that seems really unfair. I have to change how I do things when I know what I'm doing is, is fine because somebody else's weakness or failure. And I'm sure by now you all know that life is not really fair. And the Christian life, it requires sacrifice, and that has been made abundantly clear. Jesus called us to follow him, to follow his example of servanthood and putting the needs of others before our own comfort. That has been a huge topic of him. So it's not a far stretch to say those things. And all of this, it doesn't mean that we will confirm them in their weakness, we will, we will teach them the truth of liberty that they have in Jesus, but until they learn this and get to that level of maturity, we can support them. We can bear with their failures, um, and that's something that will keep us away from conflict. Uh, we can let go of some of our freedoms to be able to support others in our community, um, to have that unity. And as well, if someone is spiritually weak in the sense of falling into sin, obviously we're going to reach out. We're going to speak to them. We're going to pray with them. We're going to teach them. But the point in this specifically is that if the weakness or the failure is only what you perceive from your position of how things should or should not be done, then we bear with it. We get over it. We forget about the self-pleasing act of changing them into our image. And the second point is to please one another. So the second half of verse 1 and verse 2 reads, Not to please ourselves, each of us should please our neighbors for their good and to build them up. Now, that doesn't mean that we never do what we want, nor does it mean that we are going to please everybody in everything. That's just not going to happen. But Paul's point here is that we need to be cautious about doing whatever we want to do without thinking about how our actions and how we do things affects all Christians on that spectrum of weakness and strongness. Uh, We need to be thinking about the group as a whole because we're not solitary. Uh, We function within the framework of a family, of a fellowship, 
which means that everything we do affects everybody within that framework. So to make sure that this family works and stays together, we have to look outwards, not just at ourselves, not just pleasing ourselves. We need to look out for the good of the other. We need to be building them up, strengthening them in their faith, uh, and we set aside our own expectations. The third action is to receive one another. So everything that I've spoken about so far, uh, it's not a, a, it's not a one-sided thing. So both the weak and strong and everything in between uh, are to receive each other in fellowship. And that doesn't just mean putting up with each other outwardly, uh, but inwardly thinking things like, oh, I don't know if they're really a Christian because they don't agree with me or they don't do things the way I would do them within a Christian life. But receiving one another into fellowship, it requires you to actually reach out, to make each other feel welcome, to make every person feel like an important part of the church body, not just the perceived strong Christians are part of the church body. Everyone is. So we put an end to our grumbling or complaining or gossiping about others that we see as wrong. We don't avoid them or disregard them. And weaker Christians, they're, they're going to dissatisfy you and disappoint you. We need to just accept it and still receive them into fellowship. And as well, it goes, it goes the opposite way as well. Uh, the weaker Christians have an obligation to be accepting and patient with the strong. But again, going back to this passage, the burden is on the strong Christian. When we talk about God's family of his household, strength is connected with obligation. And if we are unwilling to let go of our rights and our freedoms for others and to look outside of ourselves, uh, that shows that maybe we're not as strong as we think we are. So that's, again, something to think about. And that brings us to our resources. So within that passage, we find three resources to use for all of those action points that I just mentioned. And the first resource is Jesus' example. So verse 3 reads, For even Christ did not please himself. As it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So if Jesus was willing to take upon himself so much suffering and allow his enemies to throw insults at him, can we also not be willing to sacrifice some of the small things for the sake of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? So throughout scripture, Jesus did things in a way that the religious leaders thought was wrong. Uh, he associated with those who were doing wrong things or sinful things. Uh, but Jesus, he wasn't corrupt by the sin of broken people. Uh, instead, he, he ministered out of strength. He brought God's love and sense of hope to them. And he did it in a way that those religious leaders decided was the wrong approach to things. And maybe they thought that Jesus was weak because of how he went about doing things. But Jesus, he showed that, that strength comes from a close relationship with God. And it doesn't come from adhering to a specific set of rules. Our second re resource that we can talk about is scripture. Verse 4 reads, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So Paul, he goes on to say that all of these things were written about Jesus. All the accounts of how he lived and how he dealt with people were passed along to teach us, that they would encourage us to have hope. 
And we can read through the scriptures, and we can see how, how Jesus dealt with different issues, and we can follow in that example. Um, so I think just like constantly going back to scripture, when we are confused of how to do things, when we're, we're not sure what the correct way looks like, um, or how we, how we get along with each other, how we deal with these differences within community. We can always go back to the scripture and read those examples. It kind of is connect, in connection with that Jesus example um, point, but we see Jesus' example through our scripture reading. So we have to constantly be able to go back to those scriptures. And finally, we have prayer. So verse 5 and 6 says, May the God who gives you in endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like we are not one person alone, we are part of a community, we are also not apart from God. We can do nothing without God. And so we come to him. We come to him in prayer, and we invite him into fellowship with us. Uh, I think often we can not see the importance or the value of of prayer, Um, but it is so, so important. It is so important to come before God in prayer and to invite him into into these situations with him, uh, to ask him to have fellowship with us, to ask him to guide us, to ask him for his help to bear with one another because it is incredibly difficult, uh, and we can't do any of it without him. So the big, the big picture idea from this passage, it's, it's really summarized in those last two, two verses that we just read, verses 5 and 6. It's a prayer that God would help his church to live in harmony with one another, for us to have the same mindset that Jesus had, who died to make this church, to bring each one of us together, to bring us into God's family as sons and daughters, so that in order to have this harmony, we need to we need to put aside our preferences. Uh, we need to put aside what we want for the sake of one another to put aside those, again, going back to those secondary things, the things that are not crucial. Because the strong and weak Christian, we can only glorify God when we are held together by unselfishness, when we build each other up and encourage one another. We think about how the outside world sees the church as well. We are here for a specific reason. We are here to bring God's message to people around us. Um, And we are meant to be his light. And if we are so focused on these disagreements of secondary issues, um, then that's taking all our energy. And we're we're not putting it where we, we need to be putting it. We belong to the Lord, and we want to honor the Lord. And we... We each answer to the Lord. We don't answer to each other. So we want, we want to act in a way that builds people up spiritually, not in a way that pressures them to conform. Um, when we have real interest and love in others over what we are able to get, and, and when we're able to get past this um, immature impulse to change everybody into our image. So in this passage, Paul, he's not praying that Unity would be achieved through the weak surrendering, their unsatisfactory theology or way of doing things. But he prays that we would all be unified by learning to love and accept one another, despite and in the midst of all of these differences. So we, we need to look at what is secondary things and what are primary things, where our focus should be, where our priorities need to be. If we are one and, un- and united with 
the most important things that we believe. We share our views of the gospel and God's mission to save a broken world. Then we can, we can manage through some of these differences and these kind of peripheral and secondary issues, ways of thinking, ways of, of doing things, some of these stricter uh, religious traditions that we think we have to do uh, or we have to do in a certain way in ways in which we think that Christian life should be lived out. So from this letter to the Romans, we can see, we can see that a spirit of unity, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily consist of uni, uni, uniformity um, because we are all created individual. We, we have, you know, each person is different uh, and that's how God made us. So we're, we're not looking for that. That's not our goal is for every person to be the exact same. That would be very boring and, it, well, it's just not going to happen. So, but instead, that spirit of unity, it comes from acceptance of one another in things that are, are different in those secondary, those secondary actions again. So God, he's given us a task to do. He has tasked us to bring his message and his light to a broken world and to work alongside him in his mission. And we cannot do that if we have all this internal conflict and arguments. If we spend all of our energy on those things, we miss out on that opportunity to be part of God's mission. Uh, and it is such an exciting mission for, for us that we have been invited into something so awesome. Uh, so it would, I think it would just be a real shame if we didn't put our focus on that amazing opportunity that God has given us when we put our focus on some of these little differences within, within our church community and conflict. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's, come, to, let's come before God in prayer. <laughs> Lord, we, we seek to be a united church for you, Lord. We seek to be one in, in your mission, Lord. Um, but it's difficult sometimes. It's difficult to look past the differences. It's difficult to, to let go of how we want to do things, Lord. Um, we just ask that if we are struggling with this, that, that you speak into our lives, that you help us let go of some of these things. You help us to be more flexible, Lord, and you help us to put our focus on, on where our focus needs to be, Lord. We ask that our... We just want to be part of your mission, Lord. Um, and that is the most important thing. We, the most important thing is, is, is the gospel and the message that you have sent us. Um, and we just ask for your help in, in, in carrying that out and working alongside you, Lord. And we just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.